breath sort of walking off and I think I was like posted back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's me back. next, it's <laughs> me next. Just obviously playing for your country is one of the proudest moments of my career. The full James Constable experience in that game. <laughs> things you see like Premier League, you see how they do it. And You're just copying them. You literally just copy one of the things who's like, look, is everyone happy with that? And it was, no, they're not. Really. Tell him, James. Tell him, yeah. James. <laughs> Shirt's dried. Let's get you sort of dried out because everyone's ringing wet. Never, ever happened during league games. Hi, I'm James Constable and you're listening to the James Constable podcast powered by Get Radio. Yes, here we are once again and welcome to episode number five of the James Constable podcast. We're here at the White House from Tap Social Movement. Thanks so much uh, for them to housing us today and supplying uh, the very good bit. We, we have to, I think we have to talk about my bit first and foremost, uh, just for everyone uh, on the cameras there. That is an absolute stunning New England pale there. It looks like custard. It looks like custard. It tastes like heaven. But you boys were panicking at the bar and went for a lager and a pale ale. <laughs> I love it, love it. Uh, this is why we go to pubs, because I have a great time. So episode number five, I'm really interested about this episode because we're going to be dealing with something that a lot of players have never had during their career and something that you had at Oxford United. Also something that was taken away from you and also never materialised later on in your career. We'll, we'll get to all of this throughout the podcast, but today's episode is about captaincy. It's a really interesting subject to kind of dive into first and foremost, the season where where you were becoming captain at Oxford United back in the Football League again. Mm -hmm. You got an opportunity to be captain for England C, yeah. albeit for a, a very small moment, but yeah. at the Kassam playing a Belgian side that we'll find out in a moment has got some pretty decent household names in it. Yeah, again, it was, I think prior to the game, we'd had sort of meetings and Paul Fairclough was the manager for the England C, but I think he had spoke to us both and was like, it's 50-50, like you're both great sort of performers for the England C setup. So it's it, he could be captain, you could be captain. It was like one of those that was left sort of open but I, I remember sort of obviously night before the game and the day of the game thinking well what an experience to be captain like obviously if your country at home like basically for a home final or what it was a final mm, then yeah. but yeah obviously I got in and, and it was already out and it was on on Russ's peg so obviously it was it was tough I, I was desperate to be captain and lead out the side but I say one of my sort of closest friends really in football so I, I didn't mind that, that he was sort of captain for the day and it was great to be able to sort of experience that with him as well because I know how much it meant for him to captain as well. We did touch on this I think on a previous episode is that how you find out about a captain would it be the managers told the kit man to put that on yeah on the peg is that how you find pretty, it for, pretty, for every game is that pretty much like say if, if it was like say you were stepping in for for another captain or people didn't know it might be a conversation but i said it's no different to like when you drop like it'd be the same you just walk in and like oh my shirt's not there it was literally sometimes the manager wouldn't have time to say it or obviously that friday's always manic you're doing press you're trying to sort everybody that's not involved managing all that stuff that sometimes they just didn't get around to telling you or like you'd turn up and like say you weren't playing or similar like sometimes for captaincy would just get in and it, it'd be there but obviously privately you probably had a chat with Russ and said look you're, you're going to captain tomorrow but for me obviously it was sort of one of those it was sort of tough to take I was desperate to lead everyone out and like say it was hard to not get given that opportunity but then 15 minutes at the end that hunger that you wanted to do that that I got the chance to do it now we've been doing these podcasts uh, obviously into episode five now and James has got a few tells that I've noticed and when he's looking back and a bit sort of proud there is this little smile that comes across the face you hopefully you're catching this on on the podcast 
when you're listening mm. to it. But certainly for that 15, you know, it was 15 minutes, yeah. you know, it's in an England C team, but it seems that, that you hold that immense pride that yeah. you've done that for your country. Yeah, to play for your country is like, say, I remember Russ sort of walking off and I think I was like closely, but like, <laughs> <laughs> give me the arm me back. next, it's <laughs> me next. <laughs> I, was, I think, that I can't remember who was coming on, but I was, I was just, you see it all the time, they just take off the armband and give it to that player and I was thinking, oh, please don't, don't give it away. Like, I, I, I want just that. Just hanging around yeah, just, going, just following him. I thought, offering the arm. Away. You forget at this point that you are one nil down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just desperate to, to like say put that armband on and it was a bit baggy so I think the rest was uh, a lot sort of stronger than me back then but yeah it was uh, a great experience I loved I'd say 15 minutes of just obviously playing for your country is one of the proudest moments of my, my sort of career but then to captain for 15 minutes it could have been five minutes it was just a phenomenal experience unfortunately we lost but to sort of be up there and, and around everybody with that and I think there's like two pictures from, from the game and one's me pulling sort of an awful facial so I can't use that but it definitely happened it's there I, I've got that picture but no great experience like say something i look back on with, with immense pride and statman ted we mentioned those mm. a couple of half decent players um who is they, i mean they're still playing now from mm. that england c team simon mignolet in goal raja nangula in center mid big players for belgium have featured at big international tournaments mm. mignolet at liverpool first choice keeper it must be weird looking back on it because obviously at the time it's a belgium under 21 mm. team against england c like you said to me off mic the other day there are a lot of really quality players that played mm. in and around that setup and in those little tournaments. Yeah. I think for us, it, like you say, we weren't aware of these guys. I think they even brought like the end of the 18s or under 19s. It wasn't even like the under 23s, what England was. It was like a lower age group, but we had no clue who these guys were. Obviously, we we knew they were good players because, like say, a couple of years younger and we struggled to sort of get near them for a lot of the game. It was a tough sort of game. But yeah, we you, you don't sort of realise, but obviously England C was a huge... I think there's like a Premier League 11 of England C players that have been through that system. Obviously, non-league, it's only available for non-league and then they've gone on to not just get into the Football League, go and play in the Premier League. So it's a huge thing, especially for, like say, non-league players. It, for me, it was obviously joining a non-league club. That was my first sort of thought, really, was like, oh, you got a chance to play in that sort of competition again and, and be part of it because it was such a special thing that you're not always maybe going to be good enough to play for the proper national team so that's our sort of opportunity to, to represent your country but for that level Buzz, uh, I've got to ask did Nangalan have that mad tattoo on his neck at 21 no, no I don't, don't. I don't. that came so, later yeah. that's, as soon as you mention him that's it. That's the first place I go to that is crazy yeah. tattoos I think he, he's a man for bookings much like yourself James it wouldn't be a proper England cap at home at the Kassam if you didn't get a booking so <laughs> the full James Constable experience in that game <laughs> again I think that that all comes to that just I, I know we we were losing but also we were underneath what they were they were a different level and it was frustrating to just try and get the ball try and cause them any issues at all but then obviously when you look at the keeper they had there's no surprise we didn't we, we didn't get any past them but yeah no it wouldn't wouldn't be a, a proper sort of game without without a yellow card so um obviously that moment holds immense pride to you and we move on to to the promotion winning season with with oxford united the captain armband bestowed upon you although it was a strange scenario with the captaincy just yeah. just kind of go through an explain yeah that. again like early on in the season it'd been i'd had it sort of briefly in and out so i'd have it and then a muzzle be back and then obviously midway through that season he'd been out and he faced a few sort of niggles and i'd had it for a few games and then he would be back and i think chris pulled me to one side and said look if this is a prolonged period of time we can't have sort of different captains and, and stuff going on so you you will take over the armband and, and like i say unfortunately for muzzy he'd, he'd had injuries then he came back and i think it was a 
around Christmas time, we were out at Chesterton training and I don't think it helped. It was like a cricket pitch during the summer. And then obviously we'd right. take it over, but it was yeah. it was rock hard. Like we'd come yeah. back pre-season, it was just white. It was dead. There was no sort of grass on it. So mm. training on it was quite tough, but I think that didn't help his back. He was traveling from Derby as well. So yeah, he, he, he came back, obviously tried to, to train and it just wasn't right. And, and that was him sort of done just after Christmas and he didn't sort of play again. So obviously disappointing for, for us as a group. We were losing a big part of that team, a big part of the club and, and what it meant. So and then obviously Chris said, look, you're going to be the guy that then sort of takes the team for the rest of the season. But at that point, didn't realise probably what was coming and what the next sort of four or five months was going to entail. Just before we get on to that, which is interesting to say the least, <laughs> um, did Mars give you any advice? You've been made this because of who you are. Yeah, I think so. I think a little bit of, I think every club may be slightly different for me. I never had that one moment where they were like, come up, here's a captain's armband, there's like a speech or, yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Would you want to say something? Yeah. It wasn't like that. It was, like I say, I think Muzz is very similar to me, sort of led by example, led that role as, as how he played and how he how he sort of conducted himself. So for me, it was just a case of, of picking up from what he had done and, and how he had sort of managed the first part of the season, even with injuries. He was still a big presence in the change room, big sort of member of the play and stuff off the pitch at training so for me it was just carrying on really from the work that he had done earlier in the season and sort of hopefully carrying it through to the end that must have been a, an amazing feeling we've heard in previous episodes you know your love and, and everything for mm. Oxford United and that has really shone through to be made captain you know of the club that you you said you wanted to sign yeah. 10-year contracts for how did you react to it did you feel more pressure yeah I think so there's definitely more responsibility that comes with that and all the press would tend to be me or like say that if there was ever a club event you'd be the sort of main person there so there is definitely a lot more responsibility but again for me at the time I'd obviously loved the football club I loved being part of that so the more responsibility I was getting was was great I loved I sort of loved every minute of it but you definitely are wary of that you feel that in the back of your mind obviously you're out there leading the team out on match days you, you definitely understand what that means and it's one of those things you just you learn as you're sort of going along really i was gonna say you love every minute of it mm. i know that's not quite <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you have told us that yeah. you have told us not quite every minute of yeah. this let's go let's go to wembley yeah captain responsibility leading your team out at wembley mm. that is you know along with england must be another pinnacle of your career another highlight that you look back on and go wow was that was that me doing that wow yeah, well, again, we'd obviously been there with Kitty and, and I'd seen, like, Stu Whitehead, the, the, the captain at the time at Kitty and, like, he'd done that and I just looked and thought, like, he's meeting these famous people and then introducing the players and just little things that, like, most people probably don't even notice, players don't get. But for me, just seeing it firsthand and seeing that, I could see the pride in his eyes doing it. Like I said, never sort of crossed my mind that I'd be doing it at Wembley three years later for a club that I had sort of settled with and, and I wanted to be at. So, like I say, I didn't have a huge amount to do pre-game. I think everybody was so focused. Everyone knew. Obviously, I'd say my bits here and there, but everybody knew what they were doing. Everyone knew what this meant for the club. But like I say, to walk out, I think, again, it's probably one of those things you don't really take in at the time. Like, you're just doing it. You're so focused. I see, and I've got, like, walking out with a mask on. I'm not even talking. I'm just so... <laughs> I, I'm just, this poor kid's just being sort of dragged out to the pitch. Like... I was just so focused on what we had to do. It's one of them. You see him now and the, the mascots and the players are talking. Literally, I was just so focused that you just you wanted to, to get out there. introductions? Did you have to introduce the team to anyone? Yeah, I think, like say before the game, obviously we lined up and I think it might have been Jeff Hurst and the dignitaries that come down and you, you take them along the line and you're introducing them to players. And Did you forget any names? No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Uh, oh, I didn't know how, to, how quick to go. I didn't know whether to go too quick. It was absolutely hammering down with rain as well. So I didn't want to sort of prolonged the sort of pain for them too much just stood out there just shaking <laughs> 40 people's hands all the way along but it was just like I say just su such a proud moment I just I remember obviously then once we'd done that and we'd 
sort of lined back up just looking up and my family were there and obviously mum and dad and like I say nan and grand everybody that had come just to come and sort of support us you had that sort of hairs on the back of your neck stand up and that sort of was the moment really it hit me what we were doing where we were and, and what was sort of coming in the next 90 minutes did it change anything for you having been to Wembley once before with Kitty and it not going the right way coming back mm. with a slightly different hat on almost because you're doing those little things like going to the ref's office with the other captain, doing those intros. It's almost like you're not exactly in the same shoes you were in before. Something like that, does it add to nerves or is it just that pride and feeling of this is even more special? I think it definitely took the nerves away, having been there and lost. We had sort of come to terms with that, so it couldn't be any worse than that. It's like you've been there, you've lost, cried this the sort of an hour after the game. I think I understood what that meant to lose. So I, de I definitely think that gave me that added impetus to say, you know what, like that ain't going to happen again. And, and obviously nerve-wise, it's a thing I've said before, I didn't really feel any nerves that day. It was the most surreal. I, I get nervous now when I'm coming into work and you've got to speak to people and, and things like that. So you're going out in front of 45,000, 50,000 people and it was like, there was no nerves. Like, I don't know why that was, whether it was like, say, previous experiences and that knowledge, but also a confidence in what we had in the change room. I, I said, like, I just had a feeling we were going to win as soon as they beat Luton in the in the, in the other semi. I just I, I just had that feeling that we were going to have too much for him on the day. Are you thinking about going up them steps before the final whistle, or is it literally the final whistle goes, won the game? Hang on a minute, I'm going to be lifting a trophy. I'm going to be. Oh, it's not it's not leading a team up because you're last, last up, so it's it's quite a weird way watching of doing them. It. Yeah, yeah, and that changed, didn't it? It used to be the captains used to go up first, first. and then lift it, yeah. and then it kind Pass of got first. When, that's, that's something to find out for next episode. Yeah. There's always one, isn't there? There's yeah. always one. When did that happen? I think half-time especially, it was we were dealt a little bit of a blow coming in and and, and that sort of rocked a, a few of us. And like I say, we, we were all sat in there and it was a bit sort of shell-shocked really because we'd been so dominant first yeah. half and then... 2-0 to 2-1 is... Yeah, is we'd hit the post. We, we, yeah. we, we'd really sort of give them a tough time. So obviously coming in at half-time, we'd sort of sat for a second and then they were like, take all your kit off, let's get your like, shirts dried, let, let's get you sort of dried out because everyone was absolutely ringing wet never ever happened during league games like we were just sat in cold wet gear for the 90 minutes well, you, but you see with people now Wembley, we had two. they've got two shirts yeah so. we would have sort of spare shirts if we were at home and but it tend to be like you kit men and never the, the kind to just be giving out <laughs> kit willy-nilly i remember one oxford shirt got ripped sort of completely down the middle and they, they were sort of uncomfortable giving me a new shirt then it's like could they fix it they never like giving away kit so it was uh can we yeah. salvage it can we yeah. salvage can it we, can, can we make it work <laughs> So yeah, no, obviously Wembley we had two, which was which was lovely. Like we could take this wet one off, put this new shirt on and and go back out. But I think that sort of helped break the sort of silence. It was a little bit sort of eerie when we first come back in and everyone was a little bit sort of didn't know what to say. And I, th I think as soon as that had happened and we, we changed shirts, we, we sort of refocused. I think Clark even tried to apologise, which everybody sort of shut him down pretty quick. There was no need for, for any apologies, what he'd done all season and, and the season before. So it was um, just you, focus did, really. Did you talk to him at all as captain? was it or is it just an unwritten rule it's just like he's made a mistake mm. like you say and, and it's at Wembley but like you say throughout the whole season he's been awesome are you thinking in your head as captain mm. do I need to go up and speak to him and go or is it just he knows he's made a mistake he doesn't need reminding of it yeah like, I think yeah a bit of that like I think for for me like it was one of those that you would see that like, I saw obviously Jake on the pitch trying to talk to him and I see when you when you look back on the video it's like he literally just is like a blank it's like mm. he's 
trying to he's not going to hear he, it. he's trying <laughs> to understand what's happened and how it's gone but i think it, through through the season through the, the time you're with them those players you start to learn it's certain players that need an arm around them and talking to other players that, that you just think like he's experienced enough he knows what's happened he knows what needs to be done second half chris was obviously great as well he would say like obviously as soon as ryan or whatever tried to apologize you just but like shush don't want to hear it like he, he knew that they didn't need to do that. So I think as well, you tend to sort of stick with those. Obviously, me, Matt and, and Jack were sat together, like the, the forwards, the defenders and the keeper sat together. So I think they have their own sort of little groups that they would, like say, I'm sure Jake and, and, and Kreitz and that would have been talking to him saying, look, yeah. mate, it's, it's gone. It's done now. Like It's half time. Let's refocus ready for the second half. And like I say, just those sort of players, you didn't feel like you needed to have those conversations. They were they were experienced enough to know. And then obviously second half, we went out and rode our luck massively, <laughs> massively at times. Weathered so the, the storm. The, yeah. the, 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 the sort of climbing the storm. Steps, picking up the trophy was was not on my radar at that point. I think we were just sort of desperate to try and get that third goal, kill it off. And I say as soon as the 90th minute ticked over and we and we got that third, I think that was when I think looking back now and I see like I'm, I'm chatting to Billy when there's a throw in or whatever. And and at that point we realised it was just we had two three minutes to see out. But then like I say that's when I. I remember kept sort of swallowing and I could just feel sort of tears like welling because you just knew it was literally that close. It was wow. obviously the fans then started to, they had sort of relaxed a little bit from the 40, 45 minutes they had faced second half, which was nervy for everybody. So I think at that point, say the third went in, we knew that was a moment that we could sort of start enjoying it. We've all been in situations where you sort of say, is it a bit of an out-of-body experience? Like you don't feel like you're there. Mm. You're climbing the famous steps of Wembley. Jeff Hurst was given yeah. the trophy away, yeah. which is a fairly big deal yeah. in itself as well. Was it like an out-of-body experience? Was it jelly legs or anything like that? Or were you just like, this is amazing? Yeah, I remember obviously saying the, the night before, I think I messaged Muzz and said, look, can we have a chat? And I just said to him, like, on, on obviously tomorrow, if, if we do win, obviously I'd been there with Kitty and we'd done all that stuff at half time, which I'd learned from, but I didn't want to sort of think about it too much. But I thought, look, I've, I've got to say to him, look, if we if we do win, do you want to come up and we we share it? Like, we'd lift it together. It's you were the, the captain for the, for the season. Like, if you hadn't been injured, you'd be this guy doing it. So for me, that was a, a big part of it. I wanted him to be part of that as well. And I'd say he was fantastic during my time. So it was, it was great to be able to, to say to him, look, once we lift that. So so obviously met up with the guys and, and we sort of went up. But yeah, I think that sort of holding area, I remember that and the excitement. But then the next sort of two, three minutes is just like, say, a blur. Like you don't remember the sort you probably don't really take it in. You don't appreciate it. You're just so excited for, for everybody. We could hear the noise, but we couldn't see. We would literally just kept in this little sort of concourse waiting to be able to go up. And then obviously all the lads went up one by one and, and me and Chris and Muzz and that would was sort of stuck waiting to go up. Do you remember anything that anyone said to you up there was no. anything no, no anything, I, anything I, I shook hand with, with sort of an England legend like obviously give me the trophy give me the medal but he whatever he said anything. it was just he could have said anything I was just focused on the trophy I remember strangely like worried about the top coming off so I think we, we sort of lifted it and on the video you see Jeff Hurst trying to say like his top's going to come off and then I just sort of took it off and just carried on but yeah and then obviously afterwards getting back down and getting to sort of celebrate in front of the fans there's obviously all the pictures that sort of all around the ground of, of that moment as well which was special we sort of led into this by going not all of yeah. <laughs> of your captaincy time uh, was 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 a fond one, yeah. and so just just describe what happens straight after you celebrated on the pitch for yeah. three four minutes. You had an interview on pitch sides, yeah, 
Um, straight after. Straight afterwards. And then what happened then? It felt like longer than five, six minutes. It felt like we were out there for hours. But then we came in and we were sort of hurried off to do interviews, me, Chris. And I don't know. I didn't really sort of think about it too much. I just thought, well, we might go and quickly speak to someone. 45 an hour later, we're still speaking to like, there's every press from every country. There's all this going on. And we had been like at Wembley for so long. And then they wanted to talk about that. And like, just didn't really assume that what was happening. And then we just got back to the change room and it was like, there was just bottles of champagne. It was like a scene out of The Hangover. There was just bottles everywhere, <laughs> towels, like the floors soaking wet. Everybody's back in their tracksuits. We'd literally missed all the celebrations, obviously all the pictures of... So Murray's Mar- got all the best of both worlds. Yeah, 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 yeah. You've yeah, got to lift it. And let's like, say you look back, he's on all the pictures. and Which for me, obviously, I gutted that I missed that. But I, I think in a way you look and think, well, I'm glad that he had sort of missed those bits that, that he got to sort of celebrate. But I'm going to have to sort of Photoshop myself into the sort of celebrations <laughs> in, the, in the change room. You missed all that. And that was part and parcel of obviously winning it. You see players with these GoPros now, they take them everywhere and they sort of enjoy it. But we had to go and do that and we didn't sort of think too much of it. Unfortunately, yeah, missed all the big celebrations. As a captain, is there a protocol with press? Are you briefed to say certain things? That's, that's me putting words into your yeah. mouth, but, but you know, is it kind of deflection tactics? Not really. You just, obviously from playing, you see things, you see like Premier League, you see how they do it. And You're just copying them. You literally it? just copy. And then they, you see it nowadays, everyone's like, oh, it's just like a robot. Do you model yourself or... on anyone in particular, James? No, I don't think so. I, I just think you've got to be, I, I think I, when it was me, I'd always take like a, a minute or, and just think like, just try and cool down because I think sometimes it's so, it's so quick after the game, if you've lost or, it's easy to say go and say something that you think like later regret think well maybe I shouldn't have said that I think a couple of the early times if we've lost I might sort of say like oh we weren't good enough at the back and then I think like actually would I like it if it was a, someone else's captain they were it's like it's not oh, like we, you don't have a history we, of that we, on we, Twitter as well <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I had done that before yeah but I thought you know what like it's, it's one of those you've got like say more responsibility now you need to be a bit more diplomatic and I think it was always sort of well drilled into us if we conceded goals it was that started at the front of the pitch like it's not good enough to just say look defenders could, could we have done more as, as forwards so I think that was always the way I would sort of do it I'd like say I would never try and sort of dig anyone out or, or leave anyone out to dry really like there was times where that would happen in the press or like certain sort of people that would commentate or whatever or like press at the time I, I remember there was an issue with I think one of the reporters that were giving us a bit of a hard time and scoring us on a, on a Saturday some players were getting like twos and threes which I, I think it, 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 that it, French it, it made it difficult <laughs> like yeah that's in a year you get promoted as well because yeah. <laughs> then you've got to go in and yeah try and sort of speak to these guys so I remember we had sort of a few issues where certain people weren't allowed sort of permission to training ground and, and things like that, which is, is not great. You don't want to be sort of cutting people out. But then we just felt like we were being probably harshly treated in, in, in certain aspects because at the end of the day, no one sort of goes out to not play well or, or not give their best. So yeah, I think as a player, you try and leave as, as much out of it as you can and keep it as sort of nice as you can. And, and obviously, but I understand as fans, they want answers. They want to know why, <laughs> why you haven't performed. But sometimes like I say, you, you can't always say. So, an amazing year, captain, leading, reverse leading, as I'm kind of describing it. Uh, Steps of Wembley, go into a new season with Oxford United in the Football League for the first time ever. As captain, do you have a better, more special relationship with the manager than all the other players? I think so. I think, obviously, ultimately, he's the person responsible for giving you that sort of accolade, that that responsibility. So, I think for him, he obviously completely trusts that person 100% or, let's say, he wouldn't give that person that responsibility. So, I think... I think you definitely do have a different level of relationship where obviously 
we're in contact on a match day, like say throughout the week during training to see how are the lads, like how is everyone feeling? Like you'd is that be, funnel through you? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think it would be a question that I was asked quite a bit from Chris and how are the lads, are they all right? Is training all right? Do we need to change things? Are they happy traveling at certain times? We used to come in sort of half 11 on a match day on a Saturday, which is not everybody's ideal, ideal. Like we're sat in the change room, we're out at sort of quarter to 12 for right. set plays on the pitch. We're back in at sort of quarter past 12. We're then sat for an hour and a quarter till like the mascots come in and that's when it ramps up and you've got sponsors coming through but that wasn't everyone's cup of tea it was hard to get used to that and like say that was one of the things who's like look is everyone happy with that and it was no they're not really well the lads are obviously on at you like this isn't we don't want to do this like you need to tell him but then obviously you've got to go in and try and put that in a way that doesn't well, you don't want chris to drop you for the well, exactly <laughs> you, you don't want to upset him but ultimately you understand why he did it obviously traffic was always bad like it, you knew that even if there was an issue because there was issues where players were caught up in crashes or they'd get there for say half 12 one rather than if they were getting there for half one it might be two half two so i understood the reasoning but as a captain you definitely feel that responsibility to try and keep all those guys happiest obviously that's the simple part when it comes to bonuses and, and money and stuff that's when it gets really 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 hard to please everybody so the reason i asked that question <laughs> i think leads us nicely into the coming year there's a lot of politics around captaincy <laughs> and this sort of reared its head at a weird time if you listen to previous episodes of the podcast you know that promotion going up into the football <laughs> league you kind of want stability you kind of want you know everything set in place yeah. that wasn't really the case yeah yeah, I say like the, the first season, it was one of those, I think we sort of finding our feet. We struggled to put sort of any sort of decent run together. Like the team had changed and we were sort of really just trying to get our feet in that league and sort of understand it. I don't think we particularly played poorly. I think we finished the season. Well, that's for Statman's head to... Uh, yeah, <laughs> to all right. <laughs> but it, yeah, it was definitely a season of sort of new for everybody. Yeah. We were getting used to that. And like I say, it didn't particularly sort of set the world alight. But I, I thought we did all right getting our first season back. Last thing you want to do is bounce straight back down. And, mm. and, and it was a case of not really survival I think obviously Calvin after the Wembley game and Chris that pre-season it wasn't a case of us just trying to stay in the division we wanted to try and kick on and, and be back in the playoff mix again this sort of season progressed and, and as we've heard they're off the field antics uh, in terms of personally with you with with interest from different clubs and going into that second season in the football league is the relationship with captaincy in terms of captaincy is it breaking down we got told i think in the like february march there was a there was an end of season awards but there'd been nothing no, no mention so i think everybody had just assumed that sometimes you do it at the training ground sometimes you do it like sort of the last game of the season on the pitch that's something i've done previously so it wasn't mentioned so my wife now it was my girlfriend at the time her brother was getting married so i'd sort of said to mickey look if there was an awards deal I wasn't going to be able to make it I'm obviously going away on holiday to Spain and then I, I come back and I go straight for there and I remember Mickey at the time just sort of typical but yeah no worries it's fine like, <laughs> leave it to me I'll sort Chris out like because I, I think he realized that it, it probably would be a, a cause for a bit of sort of annoyance if, if, if everyone wasn't there so he was like look leave it to me I'll, I'll sort that don't fret so obviously season finished went off to Spain and reflecting on the season thinking actually like first season back we've done all right it's, mm. we've had a lot sort of chucked at us it's, it's been a difficult eight and ten months so I thought we, we handled it all right. We'd had a, a good sort of cup experience. There'd been lots of highs, so nothing sort of to be too concerned about. I obviously went away and we landed back in at, at Heathrow and I turned my phone back on and I had a message sort of basically telling me that under no sort of circumstances were I to miss the awards dinner. It was, it had been organised. The club had spent a lot of money. It had been planned. There was no way out and I had to find a way of, of being there with, with not upsetting family and, and obviously we, we, we were going to be guests at the wedding down in Dorset. So I remember sort of ringing Chris and just saying, like, obviously I'd, I'd let Mickey know, I'd give him plenty of notice that I wasn't available and, and that was going to be the case. And we sort of had 
pretty sort of heated words really just to say that you're the captain you, you've got to turn up like you're a person that people are going to want to see like you've you've obviously won awards for the season like you need to come and, and I said like obviously I, there's nothing I can do I can't I'm not going to miss the wedding of my partner's family so we were sort of stuck at a bit of a stalemate really like obviously I, I, I wasn't going to back down it was something that, that I didn't want to cause any issue with that but obviously on the other hand I understood it was an awards due so I think we come to, to an arrangement that they were going to send a driver down to, to pick me up from the wedding in Dorset. Dorset yeah literally drove all the way from Oxford picked me up took me back to the Kassam I, I felt awkward because obviously the lads had been there and they I, I literally just got sort of ushered in sat down they brought me dressed for the a, a bread roll yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a bread roll out well, well I sort of listened to the speech and then it was like right goal of the season or I think it was like golden boot and all this I was, I was just con- I was sort of going up collecting these awards but they sort of clumped them together in a way that I could get them all in one go and then I could obviously get back off and, and get back down to the wedding so it was a strange one like I say I think probably I was frustrated that I was being made to miss bits and like I say I, I, obviously I could have stayed at the wedding and just not come but I, I felt a responsibility like I say I, I, I did need to be there but it was frustrating that I was having to, to sort of leave that and I think again there was potentially another award that they were going to give me but because of that they had taken it away and given it to someone else and again these are all things you find out sort of later down the line but there's a perception thing as well you say there about not wanting to be ushered in to the rest of the team as well they were all there yeah for you to come in kind of miss out on that bit with everyone else and then to suddenly be out the door that looks a certain way as well and that's out of your control yeah it it would literally just the way how it had panned out obviously i wasn't aware there wasn't an awards and then it, it got sort of planned and then i thought i'd done all the right things letting mickey know and I was hoping that that would have been enough prior sort of dates that they could maybe move something around or change something but for whatever reason those were the dates and like I say it was frustrating and it, it was awkward like I say to come in and I wanted to be part of those events I loved obviously those end of season awards and being around the lads and obviously with the fans sponsors supporters everybody that, that was important and the football club was there so to miss it was already hard enough but then to have that added sort of pressure really that I think like say looking back I remember sort of listening to the voicemail and then just having to sort of play it again and, and obviously take. show Laura yeah. and like where's this come from like I, as far as I was aware that it had been sorted and there was no issue but obviously that that wasn't the case is that the first time I say the club or has done something that you've sort of taken aback at and kind of gone oh, I'm not sure where I stand yeah I, I, th- I think obviously the, the contract from the coming up from the conference to the football league the, the mistake there and, and obviously not earning what I should have been earning for that year that that was one of those I, I think it's one of those things you can take it's like it, you know it what feels that's like a you mistake that on your yeah chi- on the chin and and, and yeah, although it was wrong, it felt like you were like, okay, well, that's fair. It's enough. a mistake. It happens. Yeah, I, I, I like I say it wasn't something I was didn't see as an issue. I didn't. Yeah, but but this felt like I was being made to come across as different as to that I was choosing to not be there or I was being difficult in not yeah. coming where put in the same situation you, you stuck 20 with, lads yeah. I'm sure they would all stuck go the same way you, you, yeah. you, your family are number one they've say supported me through my whole journey so I wasn't going to sort of miss that after a year or whatever of planning or two years that they had planned these, this day I, it would have been hard to say actually you know what I need to go and be at an awards do so it, it was a difficult decision I, it, it wasn't something I'd ever choose to want to have to pick between football or your family but yeah no I think that was the first real it just felt like that wasn't quite right like I, th- I think I sort of felt like that was the first starts really of, of that sort of relationship changing that again completely out of my control but the sort of language the way that it was put across it just felt like there was something not quite right 
did you speak to Chris about it? Yeah, yeah. We didn't really speak on the night. I think, like I say, it was so much that like, I was in half an hour, collect these awards, back in the car and, and, and back down to the wedding. But obviously uh, prior to that, it was like, say, I, I, I'd sort of said like I wasn't happy with the way that it had been dealt with and I, I, I'd given as much notice as I could that I wasn't going to be available and how it sort of got made out that, that I was sort mm. of doing something that I wasn't. It was, I think, like say, for me, the first signs that something wasn't quite right. There was obviously something behind the scenes going on. But And then obviously came back in pre-season and, and then we had that meeting, the sort of dreaded meeting called into the office to be told that potentially going forward you might not be the captain anymore how's that made you feel oh uh yeah tough very tough like say for me at the time i took immense pride in doing it i, mm. I felt like say the first season wasn't we didn't set the world alight but i don't think we did particularly anything wrong we, we yeah, 12th place finish for a promoted team yeah. the consolidation feels a bit like an understatement with that and, and i think we were higher at times during the season so it was it was like we felt like it was a, a good solid season and i think for me that that sort of meeting was a shock i i, I think like say i knew we had we had, had sort of heated words in the summer but didn't assume sort of coming back for pre-season that they would lead to yeah yeah, we might have to have a meeting. And I, I, I went into that meeting thinking that was going to be that, the sort of clear up the, look, it wasn't ideal, but it's gone, like move on or whatever. But it was, yeah, to say, look, we're going to go in a different direction. It was that we wanted a centre-half or a defender to be captain. And, and that was the, the way it was going to go. And I think at the time it was it was, it was was tough to take. I didn't really see as, obviously Jake did his leading when he was out there. Obviously I did my leading when I was out there. But so. he was your deputy as well. Yeah. So it, it, again, it, if, if it was not to be me, it would be him. So that was not a surprise but it just seemed a, a, like I say a strange time we'd had a half decent season I, I don't think I'd sort of done anything to deserve not to be captain so for me it was trying to understand their thinking but to give in on a, a reason that they wanted a defender was was a strange one but obviously then years down the line you see that obviously as a manager of different clubs forwards have been captain for him so yeah. for me it was at the time it was tough but then obviously later on to see it he has had forwards as captains was, was probably even more tough to take did you at the time believe the reason given? Yeah, again, back then probably sort of it, me being me, I thought like, well, maybe, like maybe it makes a difference. Like obviously clubs I'd been at, like obviously Kiddy and Warsaw as defenders or goalies or I, I understand that. But I, I sort of went out of that meeting thinking, well, that's that. Like if, if that's that, that's his decision, obviously he's a manager, I can't fight it. Obviously I let him know obviously my disappointment and not being captain anymore. I'd, I'd sort of taken it on through sort of the tougher times of Grays away and all these clubs that we'd faced where it had been tough, tough to be <laughs> captain and where the club were and, and I'd had a sort of season in the football league which was great but then like I say I remember sitting there thinking about the, like not being in with the manager like with the mm -hmm. referees not leading the team out not sort of coming into the change room and seeing it above your place and, and things like that so th I think then it sort of hit in that actually like I was losing a lot of responsibility it didn't say mine and Jake's relationship didn't change like I got on really well with Jake and like m my responsibility out there didn't change I, I still pulled on the shirt as if I was captain it didn't make any difference for that but that sort of pride that inner sort of mm -hmm. hunger to do that role definitely did say take a hit that day it's quite unusual and rare for for captaincy to be taken away with the same manager if the manager had changed you said about gerard and villa and <laughs> you do see it and I, yeah. I understand new managers want their own but yeah especially because we had been together for that amount of time and like say i was early into my contract that they had given me and it just seemed a funny thing to do and just strange and, and like i say i couldn't help but think that that wedding and that whole summer had caused that because i think mm. maybe not maybe like at that time i was thinking look maybe it is that maybe that's the reason behind it but like i say I've, I've had conversations with with different people people that have been involved at the club that knew the ins and outs and i think that was one 
something that was said that when we obviously signed Jake, that was going to be something that he was promised that he would go on and be captain. So obviously at the time I wasn't aware and, and still to this day that might be completely false, but, but that was the whispers that I got. And like I say, that then for me, obviously years down the line, once I'd left the football club, it was hard to sort of hear that, that, that if that was the case, why they couldn't have just sort of been up front and, and told me that at the time. But that's the politics of football, mm. isn't it? That as a, a fan, yeah. you get to see X amount. Mm. And and you go on well, what's going on there, and then as a player you get to see X amount. Yeah, and, it's the tip of the iceberg. And then as, a, as yeah. a manager and a chairman, you know, like you say, to get deals over the line, yeah, to appease people coming into the club that you want to come in to, yeah. to make it a better situation for them. Promises are made. Yeah, um, well, exactly. And I suppose it's no different to like goal bonuses or and, and to be to be offered the opportunity to be a captain. I don't think you can hold that against anyone for wanting <laughs> to have that because like I say, it's a massive honour. But I think just for me, it was then obviously Jake taking over and, and looking at like the way he did things and he was a very different captain. He was a very much like he would speak to everyone. He would like plan all the nights out. He, he, he There was a lot more to it that, that I then realised, you know what, like there's a lot more that probably mm. I should have been doing or at least sort of learning from. But I probably, the way I did it was a lot more sort of like lead by example do everything 100% give 100% yeah. but actually like say keeping the group together like making sure the new signings come in and they've got all the right stuff or they've got the right information or like in the group chat making sure everyone knows that meeting times and all these little things there was so much more to it that people don't always see or realise so for me it was an eye opener and seeing like say what how he did it and the different sort of way it was done to Muzz myself or whoever else had been captain through my time so no it was it was it was certainly a, a sort of hard period I, I don't think like that you look now and there's so much support like would I've needed to speak to people and say like you know what I'm sort of struggling with this like it's it's something that I've, I've felt like I've been taken away that that, that I didn't mm. feel was just or but, but back then we just got on with it it was just like say there was there was a job to be done we were off to I think Boston in America for pre-season so there wasn't sort of too much time to to linger on it it was just a case of getting on with it and, and, and that was it do you think something like that affects your performance on the pitch you've said before to us about how there are very few games you actually go into feeling a hundred percent whether that be physical little niggles mentally yeah does the weight of having captaincy and not having it affect that and the way that you walk onto the pitch and the way you're feeling about it? I think not so much because if I think if he had told me that the summer when we broke up or like after the awards do, I'd have had all summer to sort of dwell on it. And Whereas it was literally the first sort of week back to pre-season. So it was like, that's that. Now we're going to America. Then we've got pre-season games. Then we've got... Tre- so literally just everything sort of took away from it and you could actually just focus on on the games, focus on, like, say, new players coming in, like new sort of cup competition, all those things that come which actually deflect from you being able to focus on that and, and sort of probably take the time you need to think, well, it's a big deal. Like, say, you, it's not something I ever imagined would happen, especially after Wembley and then the first season back in the Football League. I just didn't see it coming. So it was probably, sounds crazy, in a good way that it came like when it did. So you, you didn't really have time to think about it too much. And like I say, obviously, now you see like Tyrone Mings at Villa and you, you try and put that into perspective like England player captain of a Premier League club to then get taken it and then you can't play because you're not in the right mind frame to play yet and, and things like that you just think these guys were at a, a lot greater level like you imagine the pressure they're under to then to just crack on and play so yeah I think for me like it was it was never going to be a, a case that it would take away from my performances playing but yeah it was a, it was definitely a tough period I look back and I'm speaking to Laura last night about it and she was like yeah you were sort of quieter and, and it, it, obviously for me I don't notice it but for her she was like yeah it was a tough time for everybody your family sort of it, it was a tough thing to take 
you know, you, you had it taken away from you. And uh, Statman, Ted, you, you got some performance-related bits and bobs well, in terms it, of that? This is more going back to what we know of you as a player, James. Yeah. Because there's, there's lots made in the press of when somebody is made captain. And there were some naysayers who <laughs> thought maybe somebody who makes quite so many fouls, gets quite so many of those, might not be the best <laughs> yeah. person to make captain. Yeah. It's interesting. There's not many seasons to look at in your career where you've been both captain and not captain. So mm. looking specifically at that promotion year, yeah. you played 25 games not as captain, 19 games as. Mm -hmm. And there's 25 games where you're just playing the team. You get eight yellows and you score 12 goals. Yeah. When you're made captain in those 19, only three yellows and you score 14. So you're scoring mm. more, less yellow cards. Mm. Is there a certain Leading way? by example. <laughs> exactly. There I, we are. Might I add, though, he still did have the most fouls for the entire team yeah. across the season. <laughs> so maybe you're just getting better at treading that letter of the law. But I think you've got a bit more leniency as well when you're captain. I think refs tend They've to... They've seen you. Yeah, you've had a chat <laughs> with They know them. what you like. They see you're you controlling the, the team. Yeah. yeah. And, and like say, I get, I get to... <laughs> Obviously, as captain, speak to him a lot more. No, I, I think, like you say, it definitely comes back to that, that there was definitely a feeling of more responsibility. I'd not behave, but I had to tread carefully. I'd, You'd dive I'd, into less tackles. Yeah, I think so. Definitely less tackles, because that wasn't a, a strong point. But I tried to sort of play it a little bit more. Sort of nice, as I mentioned before, Chris was keen for us to keep the ref on side. He was like, look, let us get on his back. Let us shout and bark at him. Let you you guys just focus on on the, on the job in hand and, and, like say, not get on, on his back too much. So Wait, um, That's something that's added to the dimension of your play day because you are meeting the ref in the his office beforehand and mm. you're the mediator as it were is that become something you have to start thinking about how i negotiate my relationship with the ref for the rest of this game keep yeah. him on side so we get the right decisions and that yeah because like say they'd turn up and you'd think like not him again but like, you'd literally <laughs> get that sinking like oh he booked me or he sent me off at so and so and there would there would tend to be the same sort of guys on the circuit the same maybe six or seven that we'd have home or away like you, you there weren't many new refs that would come in so there was definitely that feeling of oh who is it oh it's not him again and you, the, you've got a different atmosphere then you try and like sort of crack a joke or you try and be sort of over friendly big smile <laughs> yeah hiya <laughs> Is that, <laughs> is that a tumbleweed moment sometimes yeah or? i think so because not all like say all refs were were different but some of them were like ah oh, there was no they knew exactly what they were in for they knew that it was going to be an afternoon of well they've seen your playing history and, and yeah. how many other cards you've got yeah they did sp spend probably a little bit extra time watching me and what i was doing but yeah i think it was it was definitely a case of trying to manage that and trying to uh, get them on side as soon as we meet them in the in the ref's room and, and try and just be as nice as we could just to give because i i felt again especially through the conference days we were always a bigger club so i felt we never really got decisions that maybe we we felt we should because it was always the, the smaller clubs coming the refs shouldn't happen it, sympathy in the rules <laughs> it, it, that, it, it, it doesn't happen but re in reality it, it does happen that's they do such get a the... funny thing though now we look at the premier league and we talk about the big six getting yeah. the decisions as it were as opposed to the smaller teams mm. i think with var they've sort of tried to cut that out a little bit like you can't say that now that these offsides are they're getting them because they're the, the smaller team like hopefully that's going to be be sort of cut out but back then when there was no like say there was no one there to sort of check that. That like say I felt we did we didn't always get the rub of the green. The captaincy's been been taken away mm -hmm. from you um, at Oxford United, and and you've got on with things. Quite surprising. You never captained a team again. Are you surprised that it wasn't bestowed upon you? Yeah, I think obviously then leaving Oxford and, and having sort of a great time now, going at Eastley, and they've got Ben Strevens and, and players that have literally been with them sort of back-to-back -back promotions and up through the league and and you look at it you think well obviously I'm coming in now at sort of 29 30 
played at the, the, the sort of League One, League Two level, obviously back in the conference. And I thought, like, you know what, like there could be an opportunity to, to be captain. But as it was, that they had sort of their sort of set players. You see teams that, that seem to have the same captain for sort of 10 years that never change. And I sort of understood that. But I just took it as a, a, a chance for me to come in and, and give that experience, try and help the younger lads, try and help the sort of even lads that are older than me that might not have played at that level before. So I just saw it as, look, you know what, like if, if you're not captain, you're still going to do the same same things you did when you were captain. So for me, it was just one of those things. It just never happened. But I obviously loved, loved being captain and I would have loved to have, have, have captained more clubs. But I say that when I obviously then went to Paul, they had a, a captain that had been there for sort of five, six years Hungerford the same and and then uh, obviously up at Banbury the Geo that had, had been with the club for years and, and the captain had done a great job so I think as you get older like you, you sort of take that and think like the, the guys are there if I can help them in any way or give them any experiences my, my own experiences then then that's what it is but it's it's always been a part of, of who I am that I, if I can help these guys or, or help any sort of players I would do that whether I was captain or not and, and, and try and sort of help them steer their way through sort of professional football. Sort of a final question with this. Prefer always to be captain or never to be captain? Always captain. Yeah, I think for me, if I, if I could have sort of captained at 18, and I, I think I, when I was at college, at, I'd say when I was in the academy at Sirencester, I, I left and joined Chippenham first team and they, they banned me from, from playing for the academy then because they were like, you come for the academy and the idea is to progress into the, their first team. So once I'd left, I was seen as a bit of a, sort of traitor really I'd left that and I'd gone to, to Chippenham so they said look you can't play in the academy anymore so I just played for the normal college team but I, but I was obviously made captain there because there was guys that weren't necessarily the, the best footballers but they I was in with them and, and they were like look you've, you've come in like you'll you'll be captain but that gave me as much pride as, as say captain a, a, a team in the football league it's again given that that opportunity to do that but for me I'd say every game if, if, if I had the, the choice to be captain or not it would it, I'd, I'd 100% want to be captain yeah well, you, I know Rich said last one, but I, I've got one burning question. Yeah. You say about how Jake did it differently to mm. you. You were similar to Muzz in different ways, but you've said to me before that captaincy is different whoever you are. Mm. Everyone does it slightly differently, and that's kind of the beauty of it. Mm. Looking back now at somebody like Jake, who went on to captain at different clubs as well, is there anything you'd do differently if you could go back? Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I'd probably do a lot less of focusing on my performance and, and trying to like lead by example and actually like do a lot more of what he did like say get to know everybody individually see what 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 makes people tick see what what they would necessarily need I think like I wasn't one for like say shouting and screaming at players on the pitch I think it's one of those I, I understood that they were experienced they knew what what they had to do what their job was in the team but yeah I, I think when I look back and, and look at Jake's sort of captaincy through through my time at Oxford. I think like you know what like he was sort of arguably the right person to do it. He he, he took that to sort of a next level of what I had done and, and through that time to actually sort of how he led it and how he did it was like I say I took a lot from that and realised that maybe mine mine was slightly different. But like you say, everybody that I've played with, everybody's done it slightly differently. And it's you you get the captains that like say shout and scream and want to fight everyone at half time and all that to then you get to, to captains that barely say a word but you just you look at them and you just you know like you just think right like you know you've underperformed or you don't need to be told like you just get it and um so yeah no I, I think there's lots that I've learned and like I say there's there's loads that I would have loved to have sort of taken forward and, and sort of put that into practice but it's things you learn and like say you, you keep on board and 
if I ever go into to sort of coaching or managing later down the line, it's, it's definitely something that I'll, I'll take into that as well. Brilliant stuff. Uh, well, look, as always, uh, a big thank you to James, of course, um, for, for giving us such a fascinating insight on uh, yet another aspect that well, we can only hope to dream of in terms of captaincy. Um, also, a big thank you to the White House, uh, where we are here in Oxford, and big thank you to Tap Social Movement as well for supplying the beer, supplying the lovely sofa as well, that ha- maybe has given me a slight back issue to be leaning through <laughs> those. Far too comfortable. We'll, 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 we'll work that out. We'll, we'll work that out. Um, but as always, a big thank you uh, to everyone listening as well. Big thank you to Statman Ted. Big thank you to Get Radio for putting us all together. And as we always say, with a big clatter, clash, bang, wallop, please like, subscribe, and share this podcast and tell all of your friends you've been listening to the James Constable podcast. See you next time. You've been listening to the James Constable podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and share. We're going to have a new episode dropping every Tuesday. And for the full-length uncut version, head over to YouTube. Just simply search for James Constable podcast. This has been powered by Get Radio, Oxfordshire's local radio station. Head to getradio.co.uk for more updates and details.